The following podcast has been rated R because we say fuck a lot. Fuck, 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 fuck. Parental guidance is suggested. Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's a good part, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on the nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Patrick Duffy. Hey everybody, Sean McBee here. Over there is a Patrick Duffy. Hello there. Coming to you from Atlanta and Maryland, respectively. Yeah. I don't know the name of the city that you live in. I live in, well, I live in the Baltimore metropolitan area. We'll, we'll keep it simple. Yeah, fair enough. So, Baltimore. I don't know what that accent was. I'm sorry. That was like a Tennessee accent. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know what a Baltimore accent sounds like. It's not you, though, because you just sound like a radio guy. <laughs> now, I am, uh, I'm not from Baltimore, so that's why I don't have the Balmer accent, Horn. What was that? That, that was wasn't... The, that was the Balmer no, accent. Yeah, that's, no, you... that's, the, that's the Balmer accent, Horn. That's exactly how they talk. They, they, they sounds like they're slightly bred in, if you know they what They sounds? I'm, yes, that's exactly what they sounds like. You know, I, I'm just going to assume that everybody in Baltimore talks like John Waters and leave it at that. <laughs> You'd be mistaken, but you can leave He's it like, like that. He's like Baltimore on legs, in my mind. So, um, everybody, welcome to part fucking five already. Whoa! <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> welcome to part five already, somehow, of uh, The Six Million Dollar Man by Kevin Smith. Uh, this, this is not Kevin Smith's best work. No, far from it. Then again, his recent stuff isn't his best work either. You know, he knows that. Why does but, he keep doing it? Because he enjoys it. Who cares? I mean, that dude doesn't ever have to work again. So why not just make dumb movies that he can put his daughter in and not really care what happens to them? Ugh. I mean, George Lucas did it with three Star Wars movies, so... Yeah. It's like, oh, I've got the money. I'll just, you know, make these movies and, and then get real mad that nobody likes them and quit everything. I mean, I, sell it I, to Disney. I, I like them, just they're not the original trilogy. Well, you shouldn't like them. I you don't love them. You shouldn't like them. You should actively hate them. It's the only correct response to the prequels, Patrick. Okay. The only correct response. Okay. All right. Well, well what should we feel about the uh, the new trilogy that's uh, on its way out? Well, so far it's awesome. Yes. One part in, it's awesome. So, you know, because I, I, you know, I, I sold everything and I'm not, I'm not involved anymore. So I just, uh, you know, I, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's my George Lucas. Uh, that guy can can go suck a fart. I don't care. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> so Kevin Smith, however, uh, who agrees with us on the prequels, agrees with me on the prequels, the actively hating part, uh, wrote this script for The Six Million Dollar Man, and it is a pile of cliches on top of a different pile of cliches. 
And, you know, Patrick, I'm going to give you a special treat. I'm going to let you fill the audience in. Previously on Table Reads. All right, so Steve Austin is a new broken man that can apparently run 60 miles an hour and stop trains. Yes, stop trains. Steve gets mistaken for a terrorist when Clatch comes to town in a killing spree. And uh, so we ended it where the bionic man stopped a train by literally putting his feet down in front of the engine. You know, it seems logical that it wouldn't really happen like that and that he would get sucked onto the tracks by force. So that's that's where we uh, ended up. Fade in. Interior, OSI operations monitoring, night. Oscar surveys the scene from the monitor. He looks heavenward. Mouthing it silently, I don't know how I'm going to read this. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> he looks to Sage. Sage frowns. Bring him in. Interior, subway platform, night. Steve releases the train and pulls his feet out of the ground. <laughs> he looks back past the path of destruction he and the train left. Lots of damage, but no dead or smashed bodies, and no sign of clatch. Steve looks around, slowly, exhausted. He turns to the mother and son as emergency teams pile down a nearby stairwell. The mother now holds her free son, weeping happily. You be the mother, please. I, I don't know how, but thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Th thank you so... Her expression changes into one of first confusion, then disgust and horror. She screams and points at Steve. <coughs> Steve looks down. There is exposed metal and wiring poking through his skin. He moves toward the mother and son. It's okay. They both scream and dash away. Yeah, because, you know, the guy who clearly just saved all your lives, he's different, so he must be run away from. <laughs> it's the Terminator, Mommy! Run! Okay, kid's got a point. <laughs> Steve watches them go, then looks around at the crowd that surrounds him. People whose lives he just saved. Rescue workers. TV news crews all stare at him speechless. Man, it's a good thing he isn't part of some top secret program yeah what with those news crews around we just figured out news crews <laughs> steve looks from the crowd to his injuries then back again what what are you what are you looking at i mean you you know what they're looking at yeah it's pretty clear come with me if you want to live wow that was so bad the crowd I says wasn't trying nothing. to be good this is table just reads the crowd says nothing, just stares silently, filled with hurt. Steve's eyes dart from person to person, targeting, targeting. <laughs> what the hell are you looking at? He dashes through their midst and takes the stairs, three by three. Exterior, city street, night. As fire trucks and emergency vehicles, police and crowds flood the street, Steve sprints through their masses, running like a mad, running like mad into the night. Exterior, Kennedy Airport, night. A private jet sits on the runway. Asaki paces back and forth in front of it, looking to and fro for someone. Then his expression hardens, and his eyes fall on... Clatch. Still in his shredded tux, racing toward him. What took you so damn long? 
I ran into a friend. And my uncle? Deader than grunge. Deader than butterfly. Whoa, hold on. What the hell is... Kurt had only died two years before this was written. <laughs> How dead was grunge, Kevin, at this point? It really wasn't. It was well and good until the, the late 90s. Well, to be fair, he did say deader than grunge. So I guess... Eh. And, moving on. And buttonfly is still kind of hot. Depending on how you wear it. Yeah, I mean, I have a pair of buttonfly jeans. That's not what I was thinking of when I was thinking hot. And this is 2017. Well, you should have. I'm, I'm a sexy man. Okay, well, we'll, we'll... Moving on! We'll go with the audience on this one. Uh, read your deader than grunge line again, because I love it, I guess. <laughs> deader than grunge. Deader than buttonfly. Asaki suddenly crumples forward, his spine crushed. He drops to the ground, revealing Gilgamesh standing behind him, great name, bending down to wipe his blood-soaked hand on Asaki's suit. Clatch looks down at the fresh corpse. But not deader than you, to Gilgamesh. I trust you secured his account numbers and access codes before doing that? Gilgamesh nods. Clatch smiles. Well, let's break out the bubbly. We are now officially free agents. Oh man, all you gotta do is kill your boss? <laughs> hmm. Hey, just because I'm producing these episodes does not mean I'm your boss. Don't get any ideas. Exterior, runway, minutes later. The door of the jet closes as the craft begins an unscheduled taxi, rolling over Asaki's body. Like I read that the British way? Interior, jet cockpit, night. Gilgamesh drives as Clatch joins him, now tuxless. It's just, just naked. <laughs> KL-37, this is the tower. You do not have clearance for taxi or takeoff. KL-37, do you copy? Clatch smashes the speaker with his fist. That'll solve all your problems. Gilgamesh regards this briefly. Clatch kicks back in the co-pilot's seat. This thing have enough tank to get us back to the compound? Gilgamesh nods. Good. We've got some massive preparations to make. I believe we'll be expecting company soon. Clatch looks out the windshield, smiling. Exterior, runway, night. The jet cuts off a commercial airliner as it taxis. Again, possessive. Kevin doesn't know how apostrophes work. Nope. It's that New Jersey public education system. <laughs> Bong. <clears throat> the jet cuts off a commercial airliner as it taxis forcing it to veer off. The jet leaps into the sky, narrowly missing a landing airliner, which then lands haphazardly. Exterior, suburbs, Washington, D.C., night. Steve runs at high speed down a deserted er suburban street. He slows to a stop and puts his hand on his knees, not breathing very heavily, especially for someone who just ran over 300 miles straight. Uh. <laughs> He looks up. Across the street sits his former house. The one he shared with Jamie. She's just inside crying. <laughs> I don't know. She might be in there with Langston. Steve stares at it, lost in thought. Then a car pulls up. Steve ducks behind a tree. The car pulls into the driveway. The door opens. Steve's face goes pale. Jamie steps out. 
She struggles to balance her book bag and two sacks of groceries while closing the door with her foot. She lifts her book bag to her mouth and grabs the strap with her teeth while fishing around inside for keys. Jamie? Jamie freezes. She recognizes that voice. Her suddenly wide eyes slowly pan right and fall on something she finds unbelievable. Steve, her dead lover, stands on her front lawn. (laughs) Jamie faints. Because that's what women do when presented with anything. They just faint. Have you ever seen a woman faint in real life? I have not. I was just about to ask, have you ever seen any person, not even a woman, but a person faint? No, I have not. Why do movies do this? I've seen a goat faint. Does that count? They're they're just narcoleptic. That's all that is. Okay. I'm making up goat facts. Um... Yeah, uh, wow, that's that's some hacky garbage is the point I'm making. Hacky, hacky garbage. How can you be a hack when you've only written like two movies? I don't... <laughs> you shouldn't be a hack yet at this point. He actually got paid. I will remind you, he got paid to write this script. Yeah. Yeah. Steve catches her before she hits the ground. Lifting her, he grabs the keys from her bag and carries Jamie's unconscious form to the door. Just leave the groceries there, I guess. He opens the door and disappears momentarily. He emerges again and begins... Oh, what a nice guy. And begins collecting the scattered groceries. How nice. Interior, bedroom, night. Jamie is out cold on the bed. Brown chicka brown. No, no. Bad Steve. Steve sits beside her. Gazing at her face. Not like a creep at all. He's changed out of his damaged tux, presumably into clothes that he'd owned pre-crash. His sweatshirt and jeans conceal the damaged patches of his body and the exposed circuitry. I, I love the idea that there's just circuitry and wires, like, right under the skin. Like, they didn't encase that in anything, you know? It's just, like... A rod with a bunch of wires and then skin. That's that's how they're doing this guy, I guess. Okay. No no metal sheeting. No Kevlar. Like, to to hide the the wires. Just like under the skin, immediately wires. Some real bad robot manufacturing. Yeah. Steve begins stroking Jamie's hair. He touches her cheek lightly, then her forehead. Jamie's eyes flutter, and she hazily comes to. She looks up at Steve, confused. Am I dead? Steve shakes his head no. Jamie takes this in. Are you? (laughs) Steve stares at her for a moment and smiles, then shakes his head no again. Jamie looks up at him, taking this in. Again, just taking a lot in. She's about to take a lot in. Hey! hey. <laughs> then she lashes out and slaps his face, leaping off the bed. What the fuck is going on here? I buried you, damn it. I saw them put what was left of you in the ground. Anytime you drop an F bomb, disclaimer. It was in the script. Can't help it. Nope. Can't stop the bum rush. Yeah. I mean, there's one in there. Let's just go for it now. <laughs> fuck, fuck. Mother, mother, fuck. Mother, mother, fuck, fuck. Sorry. Hey, it is Kevin Smith. 
I know, Jamie. I'm sorry. Sorry? For the last eight months, I've gone from home to work to running errands to doing anything that would exhaust me and the hours I had to stay awake just so I didn't have to think. So, hold on. Let me guess. Eight months? Eight months and she just continued with normal life because all of the things she mentioned, that's just being an adult. But it's been eight months. What has been in the scripts to indicate that it's been eight months since the crash? Smash cut. He was in a coma for like two weeks. And then they roboted him and he just had his first mission. Yeah. It's, it's a mystery to me. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, Shut up, Asaki. You're dead. <clears throat> Jamie begins tearing. So I didn't have... To remember that you you burned up in that fucking plane I know babe I know but Jamie eludes him exiting the bedroom get the hell away from me (laughs) interior kitchen night Steve follows on Jamie's heels Jamie crosses to the table and pulls a cigarette from the pack shaking lightly it shakily lighting it oh man so I'm, I'm still all teared up from my performance. <laughs> Can't read very well. I know. This is all a shock. <sighs> shock? My dead fiancé shows up on my front lawn at one in the morning, and he calls it a shock? Jamie shakes her head. Steve stands there, speechless. Then... What are you doing out at one in the morning? What? What are you doing out this late? Don't you have school in the morning? Jamie looks at him, angrily stumped. Then, I was grocery shopping. At one in the morning? The store's less crowded then, and I don't have to worry about running into my students' parents. Never mind that shit. What are you doing out at one in the morning? In fact, what are you doing alive? It's my best performance ever. I I love it. Academy Award time. She looks at him expectantly. Steve looks back at her sheepishly. I was waiting till you were gone so I could use the bathroom. Jamie stares at him, wide-eyed. Steve offers her a shrug. A tiny smile toys about Jamie's lips. A large one grows across Steve's. Jamie begins chuckling, as does Steve. Soon, they're both laughing, and then Jamie begins sobbing and rushes into Steve's arms. They kiss passionately and embrace one another desperately. (laughs) Then he squeezes her like a tube of toothpaste and all her guts come spilling out of her (laughs) mouth and her nose. Interior, living room, later. Two minutes later. There's a fire in the fireplace. Steve and Jamie lay on the futon. Jamie wrapped up in Steve's arms. They've been talking for some time. Her puffy eyes and running nose also detail that she's been crying for some time. The whole time I was coming here, it just kept running through my mind. What if I catch her in bed with some guy? Or some girl, for that matter? You wouldn't be catching her if you've been dead for eight months. Yeah. That's that's not catching. That's, uh... Witnessing? Find, that's finding out that she's moved on. Yeah. Jamie punches him. Steve laughs. What? If someone goes through a traumatic event, it could confuse their identity. 
Who said being told you were dead was traumatic? I was relieved. No more waiting to use the toilet. No, relived. Relived. Read it right. Oh, yeah. She was relived. <laughs> yeah, relived. No more waiting to use the toilet. Right. I can't believe that son of a bitch Oscar sat right here and lied to me. He's gone, Jamie. <laughs> I'll hate him forever now. It wasn't his fault. I didn't want you to know either. Then I'll hate you forever too. What did you think I was? A child? So you got banged up in the crash. Bit deal. Bit deal? Yeah, that's... It says bit deal, yeah. I should have been there with you all through your rehabilitation, through whatever surgery you had. I should have been told the truth. The truth would have been... Well, it would have been hard to take. I'm more alarm clock than man. <laughs> she leans on her elbow, facing him. What are you talking about? What, did you chip your tooth or something? You don't even look scarred. You keep talking about the crash like you really got destroyed. <laughs> but you look great. Steve removes his arms and legs. <laughs> <clears throat> that would be great. Steve looks at her. The moment of truth. What? I was destroyed in the crash. Apparently. <laughs> Look, the only thing that seems to have been destroyed in that crash is your libido. Because after eight months of not seeing me, you haven't tried to get into my pants yet. Tugs at his jeans. Or is this what was destroyed? Jamie. Take him off, Austin. Jamie, wait. It's pneumatic now. It could hurt you. <laughs> Still tugging at his pants. For some reason, I thought you were wearing a tux before I passed out. Steve grabs her hands. Jamie winces. Ow! Steve releases her, frightened by his strength. Jamie looks at him, perplexed, rubbing her wrists. What were they feeding you in rehab? Spinach and saltpeter? Steve looks at her, then downward. Jamie lifts his chin and peers into his eyes. What is it? There, there's something that I haven't told you. About the crash. Well, I've been trying to tell you, but I couldn't spit it out. It's the reason why I haven't come to see you. The reason they told you I had died. Jamie offers him a confused look. Steve touches her face. Then he stands up and puts his foot on the futon. He rolls up his pant leg, exposing the circuitry and damaged metal skin. Jamie stare at it. Steve then pulls off his sweatshirt, revealing his damaged chest. He stands before her, exposed. I'm not the man you loved. Not anymore. Jamie stares at him, holding back shock. She touches the exposed circuitry and is promptly electrocuted <laughs> and probes the metal with her fingers. Wh what? I lost almost every limb in the crash. And then they and took then my the good last ones. one in the <laughs> <laughs> broke my back. Oh, he's got one limb left. <laughs> Cut it off. Who cares? We can make it better, remember? <laughs> I lost almost every limb in the crash. Broke my back. Lost an eye. They replaced everything with robotic parts. They're called bionics. Even my skin is synthetic. Jamie is speechless. She grabs Steve and turns him around. 
pulling his jeans down to reveal his ass cheek, the one with the mole. She looks at Steve, quizzically. Synthetic. Jamie looks away. She plops backwards onto the futon. Steve pulls up his pants. He sits beside her and moves to touch her, but she recoils, looking away. Yep, that's about what I figured. (laughs) All right, I'm out. (laughs) Steve stares at her for a beat and then rises. He pulls his sweatshirt on and heads toward the front door. And that's why you let them tell me you were dead? Steve stops and looks back. Jamie is looking at her feet. My father had a pacemaker put in when he was 55. Totally the same thing. Uh, My father had a pacemaker put in when he was 55. For two years, he wouldn't let my mother touch him because he felt strange. She said he didn't feel like a real man anymore. What an idiot. She didn't say that. He said that. Said he didn't feel like a real man anymore. Then he died. I remember at the funeral, my mother went up to the casket and just touched him. It opened something in her and we couldn't go anywhere near a dead body anymore. She was arrested twice. It was... <laughs> That's not what the script says, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's just where my mind went. Yeah, but you're making it better. <laughs> and just touched him. She touched his face. Stroked his hair. It kind of grossed me out, so I asked her why she did it. Do you know what she told me? She told me she hated him. That she hated my old man. Because he let something stupid like his masculine pride get between them. And because of that, she never got to touch him again. Until he died. Steve looks at Jamie. A tear rolls down her cheek. Oil runs down his. (laughs) (laughs) A tear rolls down her cheek. She looks at Steve. You're a man, Steve Austin. You're the same man you've always been, regardless of that stuff. Do you know how I know that? Steve shakes his head, oiling up, not tearing up. (laughs) Jamie smiles at him. Because you held me tonight, the same way you've always held me, and I felt your love for me, I felt how much I love you. I didn't think I'd feel that again. Jamie rushes into Steve's arms, and they embrace, tearfully. I don't care. I never would have. I never will. I'm sorry. You should be, because your stupid pride robbed me of eight months of my life. Because you are my life. If you ever do that again... It'll take more than metal to hold you together after I get done with your ass. Nah. They hold one another, crying, laughing. The whole sappy works. Then, light erupts outside the house. Cars can be heard pulling up. Steve and Jamie look toward the windows. Exterior, house, night. A team of government vans pull up. Uniformed soldiers piling out, armed. Steve emerges from the house. Jamie slightly behind him. The soldiers train their guns on Steve. Jamie ducks behind him. That's... Okay. (sighs) Shoot him, please! (laughs) Not me! A helicopter lands in the middle of the street. Oscar gets out. He crosses the lawn toward them. 
Steve grabs Jamie and looks into her eyes. Listen to me. <laughs> What's going on? I have to go back with them. They have a lot to answer for. But I promise I'll be back. In the meantime, you've got to get out of here. Take some sick leave from work and stay with your aunt for a while. But lay low. Do you understand? Why? Just promise me. Jamie senses the gravity in Steve's words and eyes. She slowly nods. Steve smiles and embraces her. I'll be back as soon as everything's cleared up. I swear it. They kiss and continue to kiss when Oscar joins them, also kissing. <laughs> he glances around furtively. We have to go, Steve. Steve and Jamie continue to kiss. I've bought you as much time as I can, but now we have to go. Steve releases Jamie. I love you. You too, Oscar. Steve smiles at Jamie, then looks coldly to Oscar. He marches off toward the helicopter. Now, Oscar don't give a shit. <laughs> Oscar stands there momentarily with Jamie. There's an awkward silence on his behalf. Jamie stares at him, seething. I'm sorry, J Jamie slaps him. She turns away and storms into the house because that's what women do. And then she faints. <laughs> Oscar rubs his face and heads toward the helicopter. The soldiers pile back into the vans. The helicopter lifts off as the vans pull out. Jamie watches from the window. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Every time I need to go buy a refill for my Slurpee machine, I go to rogintel.com slash Amazon. This way, I can get my Slurpee machine at the great prices of Amazon, and my Rogintel bodies get a little bit of a cut from that. And every time I make a Slurpee purchase, it makes me very, very happy to know that I am supporting my favorite chubby little body. Hey, it's Clint Daly, host of the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. You know we release a new podcast every single Wednesday, and we bring you our own unique outlook on the world of sports. You know, we try to give you some actual insight and maybe a common sense approach to sports. Whether it's breaking news, some of the biggest games, or even some sports history, check out the Daily Dose Sports Podcast now on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. The Daily Dose, your daily dose of sports and sarcasm. Hi, this is Uwe Ball. If you want to help support the podcast on this network, go to rogueintel.com. Thank you and go fuck yourself. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lights. Camera. Action. So the movie's a good part. Which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to Table Reads. Part of the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. 
I gotta say, this uh, this Jamie chick seems to be a slap happy girl. She's got some anger issues, Patrick. Yeah, because you know they took eight months from her and from us by apparently having eight months of time pass that was never accounted for that I can recall in the script. <laughs> I mean, there was a montage at some point, right? Was it an eight-month montage no, no. of him learning how to write with his bionic arm? Now, even the surgery cutscene seemed like it was days, but it was not. So it, the timing doesn't match up at all. I mean, stuff is bananas. That's what's happening. Just bananas. Fade in. Interior, OSI headquarters, Sage's office, day. Steve slams his fist through the desk of Margaret Sage. Oscar and Sage are wide-eyed. Look, are you surprised that that a bionic man can punch through your desk? Come on. <laughs> you made him as a desk puncher. <laughs> what the fuck was that all about? You sent me in the middle of a war zone, for Christ's sake. Steve, calm down. We didn't... Calm down? Oscar, I watched that man get, get disemboweled. And by who? Who the hell was that guy? Another agent? I gotta, I gotta say, he's mad that they sent him into a war zone. Did you think that we made you a super robot so that you could, like, go undercover and just steal some files without any danger? <laughs> is, I mean, what is your deal, dude? Also, you were like... I'm going to fly this experimental plane that we're not sure if it can fly. That that was your job. Why are you complaining about danger? I don't understand what is happening with this guy. All I wanted to do was be at home with Jamie making frittatas. And who the hell was that guy? Another agent? Former agent. I want answers, damn it. And they better start flying fast and loose or I'm walking. That's how he likes his women and his answers. Ho ho. Who was that guy? Oscar looks to Sage. Sage nods to Oscar. Oscar looks to Steve. Really didn't need to be written that way. That was just clunky. Steve winks at Sage. Okay, we finally have confirmation. Clatch is not an Asian man. He just was introduced speaking Japanese. Damn it! Not at all confusing. Because, and here's the thing... Uh, Asian people are not named Colonel Avery Clatch. <laughs> Steve is taken aback. Wait, wait a second. The spy they nailed for selling covert information to the Kremlin back in 82? The spy they nailed? That sounds like the best James Bond movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> that was our cover story, yes. Clatch was the farthest thing from traitorous any branch of the service has ever seen. He worked for us on and off for two years under varying identities. Black Ops missions. Extremely top secret. The president didn't even have knowledge of his activities. That's that's your go-to right there. Like, even the president doesn't know about this. Because back then it made sense. You know, back when you expected the president to know things. Yeah. Nowadays, you say the president doesn't know anything about that. You're like, well, yeah. Yeah, he's Donald fucking Trump. Of course he doesn't know anything about anything. God damn it. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of uh, censoring. Uh, but no, fuck is in the script, so... Okay. 
No censoring. All right. So as long as there's just a disclaimer for this episode, we're, we're going to be set. Yeah. We're going to let the scripts determine our cussiness. Cussiness. Yeah, that works. Exterior. White House. Christianity. Flashback. Christianity. Exterior. White House. Flashback. <laughs> Patrick. An angry crowd demonstrates in front of the White House, carrying placards. In 82, there was a public furor over the possibility of POWs still being detained in Vietnam. Interior, White House press room, flashback. A presidential spokesman stands at the podium, addressing a crowd of reporters. He shakes his head. The government official's position was that we were working in concert with the Vietnamese ambassadors to ensure that every measure that could be taken was, and that the findings were negative. There were no prisoners of war left in Vietnam. Interior, conference room, present. Oscar lowers his head. But there were. Interior, government office, flashback. Sealed top secret documents are traded and signed by unseen players. Due to an agreement the CIA had had with the present government in Laos, there was nothing they could do about it. The party line was to stonewall until public furor died down. A shot of a glum-looking Reagan. Officially, the president's hands were tied. Interior conference room, present. Steve looks to Oscar. But not yours? Oscar smiles. Interior, airplane, flashback. A young pre-op clatch. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, pre-op would go on to mean something very different. A young pre-op clatch giving his team orders and outlining a plan of attack on a POW camp via photos and models. They are in mid-flight. We send Clatch and his team to reclaim the POWs. Get in, get out, limited casualties. That's how every mission is. There is no missions like get in, stay there for a while, Kill all have them. lots of your guys die. Yeah. Get in, get out, limited casualties. That was the objective. Deny it afterwards. Very Rambo. Exterior, jungle, flashback. Clatch and his team, in full camouflage, duck through high reeds and swamps. We had a rendezvous point for the team at the completions of their mission. Uh-huh. Says completions. Uh-huh. At the completions of their mission, 10 miles from the camp. From there, we were to transfer the POWs back to American soil. Interior, POW camp, flashback. A Vietnamese soldier is gutted by Clatch. He quietly motions. His team surreptitiously moves forward. Clatch's team got inside the perimeter of the camp and found seven refugees. The team released 40-ish bearded men from bamboo prisons and were then detected. Gunfire erupts. The team and the refugees hit the dirt. Clatch and his men return fire. Clatch screams for his men to get the POWs out while he covers them. Two of his team dragging three POWs are blown to bits by a mortar shell. You got a mortar over there? Nice! I don't play around, man. Three more are gunned down from above. The POWs get mowed down from behind. 
they were caught in a crossfire. His entire team was lost. And they all screamed like that when they died. Clatch, still firing wildly, takes a round. Then another. His body buckles, to and fro, filling with lead like a modern-day Boromir. Exterior, jungle, flashback. Clatch runs, limps through the jungle, ducking machine gun fire from behind. He races toward a helicopter, which starts to lift off the ground. Clatch throws himself aboard, taking more hits before the copter takes off. By the time Clatch made it to the rendezvous site, he was barely alive. He'd taken 96 <laughs> rounds <laughs> from Russian AK-47s. I'm sorry, that doesn't seem like a feasible number. No. 50 cents like, nah, bro. <laughs> I think like 42 is your max. Yeah, 96? I mean, Kevin, come on. <laughs> Kevin's just like, fuck it. <laughs> 96. Ha ha ha. Russian AK-47s? Because they make them elsewhere, <laughs> apparently. Interior. Slab rock. Flashback. Clatch aboard a stretcher. Being wheeled through slab rock's hallways. Broken and bruised, he resembles the pre-op Steve. Hello. Please give us the entire bionic sequence again. Oh, you think they really will? I hope so. Two week prior, our bionics division had a breakthrough in the micro-miniaturization field, one that allowed for nuclear processors to power artificial limbs. All we needed was a candidate on which to test the procedure. Interior, operating room, flashback. Clatch is operated on by a team of surgeons, quite like Steve. We can make him better. Stronger. Wait, sorry. <laughs> the decision was an easy one because he wasn't my friend. If he were my friend, it would have been a torturous decision. But, you know, I'm not objective. I'm kind of an asshole. <clears throat> the decision was an easy one. Interior, conference room, present. Steve is somewhat shocked. <gasps> I'm not the first? I don't know what you thought this was, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Avery Clatch was our first cyborg over 10 years ago. Approximate cost? Six million dollars. The budget on the current project is 1.6 billion. billion. Inflation. And also ignorance. We'd built a better man, yes. But most of the design had only been theory at that point. We should have tested it further. But Clatch was as good as dead if we didn't at least attempt the procedure. Hmm, sound familiar? What happened? Exterior, Afghanistan Street, flashback. A war-torn thoroughfare. Half-destroyed buildings. Rubble. Dead bodies. Nouns. Interior, hotel suite, flashback. From a trashed hotel suite... Soldiers trade fire with a rebel force in the streets below. The freedom fighters are also being chased by a tank, which is corning them at the end of an already demolished street. Corning? I don't, I don't know. I'm going to go with cornholing. <laughs> it's, it's cornholing them. Cornholio! 
After the recovery period, Clatch wanted to go back into the field. Because we didn't bionic him so he could sit behind a desk. <laughs> Exterior, hotel rooftop, flashback. Clatch runs along the rooftop of the hotel building, armed only with a machine gun. Only? <laughs> Is machine gun the thing you're going to use only for... Can you believe he killed all those people with nothing but a machine gun? <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> Armed only with a machine gun, a jetpack, and a laser cannon. <laughs> I mean, come on. Armed only with a machine gun. He pulls blueprints from his jacket and begins referencing the plans with the layout of the roof. He was eager to test his new abilities. The team thought he was ready. Physically, of course, he was in better shape than before his procedure. Clatch's POV. A digital imaging of the roof. Clatch looks from the blueprints to the roof beneath his feet. One image is laid over the other, and in bursts of quick flashes, we zero in on one section of the roof in particular. Numbers delineating depth and pressure appear alongside the image. Clatch crosses to the spot, slings the machine gun over his shoulder, and drops to his knees. He pulls back and easily punches his hand through the roof. He pulls back steel and wood, clearing a hole large enough for a body to fit into. Now that's a good evening. He'd been on a total of 32 missions in various parts of the globe, and he never once mentioned the leak. Clatch takes a few steps back, then runs toward the area he'd prepared. He leaps into the air and comes down into the hole. Interior, hotel suite, flashback. The soldiers continue to lay down a suppressing fire. Suddenly, Clatch comes crashing through the ceiling. The soldiers freak, attempting to get him in their sights. Clatch guns two down and hurls his machine gun at a third, the force of which sends the soldier sailing through a window. Another soldier rushes Clatch with a bayonet, but Clatch thrusts his hand at the blade. The blade shatters. Clatch grabs the soldier and snaps his neck. Hey, I kind of like this. Because <laughs> that's like his thing. He snaps necks. That's yeah. how they know. Yeah. Oh, Clatch has been here. This guy's neck is shattered. <laughs> he's he's like the... Uh, the uh, what was that guy's name? There's a superhero in the 90s who broke backs. That was his whole thing. The backbreaker. No, in Marvel, uh, Dark, Darkwing Duck or something. I don't know. Darkwing Duck. That was Disney. God, what was that? What was that guy's name? Darkhawk is who it was. Joe McBee. Oh, and I love that this uh, listing that I found. Darkhawk underneath fictional superhero. I'm I'm glad they clarified that it's one of the fictional ones. Yeah, as compared to I don't know Obama. Ah, uh, Obama was a superhero. <laughs> Man, you told me. <laughs> I'm not saying whether he was or wasn't. I was just thinking. I'm of- saying he was. I miss Obama uh, yeah. more than more than I miss my wife. Oh, it, it just got real in here. Yeah, I mean, not to get too political, but. Donald Trump is a garbage fire piled on top of another garbage fire. Mm. I, I would agree with that. I 100% agree with that. 
He he is like watching the news now and seeing him is like eating a shit sandwich that is on fire. Mm. Whatever it is, that fire is involved. Okay, is the point. So, uh, Clatch grabs a missile launcher from the floor. It's just there. There's just a missile launcher on the floor. Why would there not be? And heads to the window. He gets the tank in his sights and launches. The missile hits the tank, destroying it. The freedom fighters raise their rifles in salute to Clatch. The containment units that we used for Clatch's nuclear processors were made of a weak alloy, not used to trial and endurance. From the sweet window, Clatch salutes them back, then doubles over violently, grabbing at his head. They begin to leak, and what's more, the leak began to spread. Interior, conference room, present. Kevin Smith clearly never consulted any medical professionals or nuclear <laughs> professionals when writing this script. Researches for suckers. A schematic of Clatch's reinforced skull and neural net processor fill the screen behind Oscar. Steve looks on. Oscar. Here. The waste was carried through his system, directly to his brain. The toxicity of the waste generated by the bionics is minimal, but compounded over time, it began to take its toll on Colonel Sage's perception. Steve is suddenly pissed. So that's his normal state. Like, everything someone says to him, he's like, I'm mad at stuff now! You know, aw, oh, you guys! It reminds me of that old 90s commercial. I'm mad as hell and I don't have to take it anymore! That is, uh... Actually, from the movie Network. Oh, okay. There may have been a 90s commercial that was referencing that movie, Network. But it's uh, from the movie Network. Network. Thank you for that. And this is what you've stuck in my body? This poison that is going to eat at my skull? One of the... Did we mention that we spent $6 million on him and $1.6 <laughs> billion on you? Inflation. I mean... Look, if you take away the billion and just leave the point six, that's still ten times more. Calm the fuck down, dude. <laughs> One of the key differences between a six million dollar program and a one point six billion dollar program, Colonel Austin, is the ability to correct deficiencies in the former, to produce stronger results in the latter. Uh, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> We were able to perfect the containment and runoff elements in you, Steve. Twice monthly, your system will be flushed of any containments that the processors generate. Steve looks to Sage and Oscar. He shakes his head. <laughs> <laughs> so the contamination in Clatch led to his going renegade? That is correct. It began simply. <laughs> Exterior Russian Embassy. Israel. Flashback. Clatch on an assignment in Israel. He leans behind an overturned jeep. In the distance, a limousine pulls up. A shady-looking dignitary steps out. He is led into a building. His methods became questionable. Clatch flicks the switch on a detonator. The building explodes. His behavior became erratic. Interior, Libyan hospital, flashback. I just want to say, like, this was a Russian embassy in Israel. 
That's confusing enough. And people are supposed to just get that. Because he's always called out when there's a cryon on the screen in the past. And this time he isn't. It's just like, well, obviously it's Israel. You can see the the six-pointed moon in the sky. Uh, And it's a Russian embassy because it looks like Red Square. Mm. And now, and now we're just at a Libyan hospital. Not a hospital, but like there's clearly Libyan writing on the walls, I guess. Because you can recognize that. Or maybe, maybe all the doctors are driving around a blue VW bus. And Doc Brown's just like, (laughs) Libyans! (laughs) Great Scott. Clatch exits a room, wiping off his hands. A nurse walks by him, confused by his appearance. Because he has a USB cable in his eyeball. She looks to the room he'd come from and rushes in. A scream is heard. (laughs) Pan up to a sign that delineates the room as the delivery ward. This is, of course, written in Libyan. (laughs) I don't think Libyan is a language. It's Libanese. Sure. No, that's that's Lebanese (laughs) and that's Lebanon. I know. Uh, I said Libanese. What language... Do they speak in Libya? I mean, I'm I'm not just saying this. It's Arabic. Okay, so clearly the sign is in Arabic because it's Libya. I'm going with that. But yeah. but the audience can read it as delivery ward because uh, the only place this movie had any chance of getting released was Libya. <laughs> Exterior rainforest flashback. Clutch now looking kind of primitive. Is he wearing furs? or (laughs) Crouches on a limb high above a team of tree-leveling tractors. We'd sent him into the rainforest on an anti-deforestation fact-gathering mission. That doesn't sound like a military op. The orders were to observe and collect data only. Clatch leaps from his branch. Landing atop one of the tractors... He reaches in and pulls the driver out of the cab, lifting him above his head with one hand. Clatch punches his other hand through the man's back and pulls out his spinal cord. He loves doing that. It, you know, probably Kevin just thought that was the most badass thing ever. I mean, that's that's some Predator 2 shit right there. I wonder if he writes that stuff into uh, Supergirl. Oh, that'd be great. (laughs) But he's, he's not writing those episodes, sadly. He's just directing them. Yeah. It rips through the man's back, pulling the skull with it. Mm. Total predator move. That was the last contact we had with him as our agent. Clatch leaps to the roof of another tractor, hundred of feet away. <laughs> he pulls the driver from the cab and snaps his body in two. That's... That's not how bodies work, Kevin. You know, it's, it's, there's stuff with elasticity. It just doesn't just... You know, just, it's not plaster. People's bodies aren't plaster, Kevin. And if he did, it would be ripping, not snapping. Right? Yeah. Right. Get your facts right, buddy boy. I, you you gotta at least put, like, a, a pilot hole in the, in the side, maybe. <laughs> so that you can get in there and start ripping. You can't just... People don't break like biscottis, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, like, 
even just take it take it to a much smaller scale. Just have you ever tried to snap a steak into? <laughs> it's the it, same. It would shit. have to be frozen, or you know, cooked the way Trump likes them. Ugh. That's that's the worst crime he'll ever commit. Is what he well does done. to steaks. Yeah. Well done. So it rocks on the plate, literally, and then he puts ketchup on it. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, he's a fucking monster. <laughs> Exterior jungle compound flashback. Clatch now. This has become the Clatch Show. <laughs> Clatch now wearing only a loincloth and painted in blood. Oh man, a loincloth. Yeah, can like. He's Ted Nugent now. You're going to be seeing Kevin Smith uh, in October. Can, can you smack him, possibly, for this? Dude, if I get to meet him in person, I'm like, Dude, I read your $6 million man script. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe he'll have a question and answer period. Well, he usually does. Yeah. I'm going to get up and I'm going to ask him about this script. You better get in line early. I'm going to be like, so Kevin, I have a podcast where I read bad scripts that never got made into movies, and I want to talk about Six Million Dollar Man, because that took 12 episodes. Loincloth man. Oh, yeah. Clatch, now wearing only a loincloth and painted in blood, sits atop a crude throne adorned with skulls. Metal is poking out slightly here and there. From beneath his skin, pull back to reveal natives falling to their knees, worshiping. Oh, I'm done. Oh. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Natives worshiping him. Come on, Kevin. <laughs> I know that you love Jedi, but are you really gonna see three PO this motherfucker right here right now? Ah, mm. he'd suffered a complete breakdown. Due to the contamination. Interior, conference room, present. Oscar looks like he's carrying some heavy psychological baggage. Shortly after the incident, we sent a team into the jungle to bring Clatch down. That movie is called uh, Apocalypse Now. Really? They, they sent a team into the jungle to bring down a renegade colonel? Yeah. That's Apocalypse Now. <laughs> he took them out in seconds. Like he knew they were coming. After that, we lost track of him completely. He vanished. Until a few months ago, the first in a series of break-ins occurred at our Langley Bionics Division, followed by subsequent break-ins at other OSI headquarters the latest of which being in Washington. High casualties at each. What's he after? Technology. He's stolen data on every area of bionics we've been developing. We suspect he's gone mercenary, hiring out to enemy nations. I thought we didn't have any more enemies. Please, this is the United States government you're talking about. We'll always have enemies. Regardless of what you read in the papers. Can I just say, this is why I miss Bill Clinton. During his period, that was kind of true. We didn't really have no, enemies. We really did. Well, obviously we still did or else 9-11 wouldn't have been started. Yeah, but we didn't have a big bat at that point. No, we didn't. Like, 
I, was, I agree. I was too young to vote for Bill. Just because me I, too. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. But my I, my first election was two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And I voted for Gore. I would have voted for Gore, but I was not a fan of politics. I still am not a fan of politics, so I did not vote until Obama. Dude, nobody, nobody is a fan of politics. They're garbage, awful things, but you have to be engaged. Well, I'm engaged enough. I I voted for Obama. And you know what? If we lose listeners because they're Trump supporters, good. Didn't fucking watch anyway. Exactly. So who's he working for now? Our sources told us that Toya Motors has been developing highly advanced assembly line technologies. Technologies that operate on almost the same principle as the data that's been stolen. Hence our investigation into Tuskagi. Tuskagi. But now that he's dead. Wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I follow this. You people rebuilt a war hero, turned him into some sort of techno super soldier, and now you think he's gone AWOL in favor of industrial espionage? Do you know how stupid this sounds? Yes, Kevin, we do. (laughs) (laughs) We think there's more to it than that. Sage rises and clicks a remote. The image on the screen switches to a detailed schematic of the subfusion microchip that Clatch has stolen. This subfusion microchip... I mean, she's going full like Mon Mothma here. Mm. This subfusion microchip was something that Bionics Division was working on when the break-ins began. The project was so top secret that the team was split into three departments and relocated at our various labs around the country. Even the scientists involved in the project did not have full access to all the data. Does that help science? What is it? Sage looks to Oscar. Oscar settles back in his chair. It has to do with creating fertile environments out of arid climates. Our scientists were working on a way to triple the world's soil growth capability. If it works, it could mean growing wheat in the Sahara, or taking radiation-contaminated earth and reversing the effects, turning a dune into a field, changing a toxic waste dump into rice paddies. Success on the project would mean tripling the world's food supply. Mmm, toxic waste rice paddies. And Clatch wants to do this, what, to start his own farm? The process also includes air ionization, changing dioxide into oxygen without photosynthesis. We could create... I'm sure that meant carbon dioxide, not just dioxide. (laughs) Because dioxide is oxygen. It's O2. Which is what oxygen is. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it the way it was intended. Even though Kevin is scientifically dumb. Yeah. The process also includes air ionization. Changing carbon dioxide into oxygen without photosynthesis. We could create atmospheric conditions specific to the demands of a particular region. But? The effects could also be reversed. It starts to sink in for Steve. Oh my god. The technology fits into a box that's no larger than a washing machine. When activated, it could transform an atmosphere from oxygen-rich to carbon-rich. The entire process could take anywhere from 10 minutes to 2 hours, depending on how wide the target area. 
it could carbonize an entire city or country, rendering it incapable of sustaining oxygen-dependent life. This wasn't developed in the interest of world hunger. You people developed it as a weapon! Initially, yes. But when we learned of its capabilities... You regarded it as nothing more than a convenient side effect. Something that, while beneficial, would be thought of as little more than an interesting alternative use. Bear in mind, Colonel Austin, that the technology that has made you whole again was also developed primarily as a weapon. Steve offers Sage a hateful glance. Nothing is ever all good or all bad, Colonel. Blowjobs are all good. I'm sorry. <laughs> what if they have teeth? Then it's not a blowjob. <laughs> Steve rubs his head, processing, literally. Processing. Processing. He relents. What does this have to do with me? Due to the obvious... There's so much dialogue. Come on, Kevin. <laughs> Jesus. You know he's this in like, dialogue. It's like 25 minutes of exposition. It's so tedious. God. Like I know I know dialogue is Kevin's whole thing, but can we do anything about this? Jesus. Due to the obvious diplomatic arrangements with the Japanese government. We can't charge Atoya Motors with empowering a renegade covert agent that we're responsible for developing. And there is no actual proof that would link Atoya to Clatch. We need to find Clatch via this lead. And once I've found him? Oscar looks to Sage. Sage looks to Steve. Steve looks to Sage. Steve looks... Uh, <laughs> liquidate him. Steve stares at her, then at Oscar. He starts <laughs> laughing. <laughs> So this is why you rebuilt me? To become your replacement assassin? Well, that makes you people think I'm even capable of killing, especially a man of Clatch's expertise in cloak and dagger? I'd hardly call it killing, Colonel Austin. You'd merely be shutting down a device. A device that has... malfunctioned. Steve looks at Sage sharply. His look softens. Send a machine to kill a machine. Steve leaps from his seat and slams his fists into the conference table. The table splits in two. Sage and Oscar stumble back a few steps, shocked. Again? He just punched through a desk. Why do you keep Why being shocked? shocked when he punches through things? <laughs> Steve composes himself. Well, this robot has no interest in killing your other robot. He moves to exit. Count me out of OSI. Steve moves to exit. <laughs> I'm afraid it's not as simple as that, Colonel Austin. Please tell me she holds up a remote control. Please tell me she holds up her... Steve stops and turns, pissed. And why not? Mr. Goldman, inform Colonel Austin of the conditions of his refurbishment. God damn you, Margaret. Tell him! Oscar is taken aback. He looks to Steve. A bit sheepishly. Officially, you don't exist anymore, Steve. You were listed as deceased after your crash. Steve is a bit flabbergasted, despite the fact that he just had a whole conversation with his fiance about how she was told that he was dead. Uh huh. <clears throat> he collects himself. Won't the world be surprised to see that that's not the case? 
You mean the world that was already there when, with all the news, press, and yeah, everything, and yeah. saw the wires sticking out of your skin? <sighs> this is so, so poorly thought out. He turns to exit. There's more. But wait, there's more. Steve stops again and turns back. Oscar hangs his head. Please be remote control. You've been implanted with a fail-safe device, Steve. If, for any reason, you deviate from your particular mission, the generators that power you can be deactivated by Mrs. Sage. Mrs. Sage? She's married. Someone married this ballbuster? Wow. Steve looks at Oscar, wide-eyed. He then turns his attention to Mrs. Sage. You can be shut down, robot. Ugh. Permanently. And at the rate our technology is progressing, what makes you think that in a few short years, we can't reprogram you anyway? You're either with us or against us. You should just go punch through her head. <laughs> Oscar shakes his head, ruefully at his boss. Steve stares at Sage, grasping what she's saying. Because she's not really being obtuse there, Steve. Sage rises. You leave for Japan in five hours, Colonel Austin. Sage exits. Steve sits in stunned silence. Oscar rubs his forehead. Steve, I'm... What have you done to me, Oscar? Oscar's eyes flash downward. Steve kicks the desk which then sails into a wall. You were my friend! I had no choice. Sage was going through with this regardless of how I felt. You stole my goddamn manhood! My goddamn humanity! They did take his dick then? Wow. That psycho bitch can turn me off at a whim? She'd have to go through me first. Oh, and it's obvious how much sway you hold over her. You're a goddamn lapdog. It was either bionics... Or they were going to put you down. Well, why the hell didn't you let them? Do you think this is living? I was trying to do the right thing, goddammit! Steve is taken aback. Oscar fumes. What the hell was I supposed to do? My best friend in the world is lying there like a slab of meat. And they say we can rebuild him, Oscar. I did it for you! To make you whole again. And if the roles were switched... If you gave two shits about your friend, you'd do the same goddamn thing. Good one. Steve, star Steve stares at Oscar. Oscar drops his head in his hands. Nobody stole your goddamn humanity, Steve. It's all still there. My life isn't in my own hands anymore. Nobody's life is ever in their own hands. You step outside your house, you triple the chances that you'll never come home. No, no, it's more than triple, <laughs> because if you are already at home, your chances of coming back home are 100%. <laughs> a 1% increase is literally an infinite increase once you leave your house. Anyway, bad math aside, let's get back to this. Whether it's a drunk driver or some lunatic with a shotgun in a fast food joint, the choice to live and die is never fully yours. They sit in silence for a moment. Then Steve gets up. You just keep rationalizing it, Oscar. And I'm sure you'll learn to live with yourself. Steve exits. Oscar kicks the chair. He's the only person that hadn't gotten to abuse some furniture. <laughs> Fade out.
I have to say, the 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 cliche keeps getting more and more cliche. I like the idea, the plot of this script. I like some of the stuff, but this is so unresearched, it, it makes it really tough. Hold on, you like the the plot? The plot is man becomes bionic to hunt down another bionic guy who's trying to make Toyota better. Yeah, well, it's a believable plot. <laughs> it's it's all pretty bad. I know. And someone was like, we need to make this into a comic book since no one will make it into a movie. And the thing is, have you seen movies? People will make any garbage into a movie. If something manages to not be made into a movie, it doesn't deserve to live. Except on this podcast. Hey now. You're an all-star. <laughs> Get your game on. Go play. So, uh, that's this. Uh, there's other stuff. Go to our website, tablereadspodcast.com. Uh, you can you can read the script your damn self and all the scripts that we produce. We're probably not supposed to just post other people's scripts online. But we but, do it anyway. Uh, there's this whole I don't give a shit about anything mentality. Uh... So there's there's that. So go download the stuff. Read it. Uh, if we get in trouble, then it means somebody has noticed us. And that'll just make me happy. Uh, also, go to rogantel.com for all these other great Rogantel podcasts. Like, uh, I want to tell them about some, Patrick. Oh, well, there is Prime, uh, a show where uh, myself and my gang of Merry Misfits talk about stuff that's going on in their life, news topics, and we even play games like Stump the Chump. Find out more at theprimepod.com. So that's that. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, people. Get this stuff right away, because I know that you are so eager to have more of this awful garbage in your ears. Until next week. The voice of Table Reads is Art Carlson. Hey, that's kind of meta. This has been a Rogue Intel production. Cut to black. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.